0: Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Well, welcome to those of you who are watching online as well. We're glad that you're tuning in here to Grace Church. Uh, we're in a, a series, a message series called Essential Church, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we do that, uh, I want to talk about the the flyer that you got when you came in. There's some volunteer opportunities here at Grace Church. We're always looking to give you an opportunity to join one of our dream teams. When we say dream team, that's one of our volunteer teams here at Grace Church. Uh, because the dream can't happen without the team. And so we want you to be a part of that team. So we want to encourage you to pray about that. Look through there. If there's something that intrigues you or you'd like to try, uh, please let us know. Uh, that that uh, We would love to help you take that step. We'll have a brief time right after the service. If you want to come up and ask some questions, I'll be available for that as well. So think about that as a next step for you. One of the other things, if, if you're a guy and you're looking for a spiritual retreat, uh, I've got a friend of mine who's taking some men on a spiritual retreat next weekend. I know it's short notice, but sometimes your schedule opens up. They're going to leave Friday at noon. Uh, they're going to come back on Sunday. Uh, they're going to Smoke Hole, West Virginia. Steve Wingfield's uh, place down there, Lodestar Mountain. And uh, they 're going to be a, a retreat, so if you 're interested, just get a hold of me i 'll put you in contact with Vernon, and you can be a part of that next weekend. Well, hey, we are in, in this series called Essential Church," and uh, last week, Pastor Larry kicked things off with a great message about no God. Uh, How important it is for us to know God and have a personal relationship with him. And as we were thinking about this idea of essential, uh, that word has been used pretty heavily this year, hasn't it? In 2020. Uh, We've heard about essential workers. Uh, Maybe you are an essential worker. Uh, I think all of us are essential. uh, But essential businesses, all of that kind of thing. And as we talked uh, here at Grace Church, uh, we kept coming back to the realization of how important the church is especially when we weren't able to gather for a while, Uh, it, it really raised the awareness of how important church is, that church really is essential. This is the plan that Jesus gave us to spread the gospel all over the world. And so having a church that's thriving, that's gathering, that's doing ministry out there, not just in here, is so, so important. And so we wanted to address that. And so over these four weeks, we're looking at four things. They're right there. Uh, no God was last week. If you missed that message, go back and watch it. Uh, Larry was on fire. He was very passionate about this, of No God, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about find freedom. We're going to unpack that a little bit and talk about why that's important and how the church can help. Next week, we're going to talk about discover purpose. So if you're uh, thinking about what's my purpose, why am I here? Next week is going to be a great, great message for that. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with make a difference. I think most people want to make a difference in this world. And the church is incredibly important in making that happen. The one thing I love about Grace Church is our vision is to be a healing place for a hurting world. I understand and you understand that there's a lot of hurting, broken people in this world that struggle. All of us are in that boat. If you've got it together and everything is honky dory great in your life, then you're probably faking it. All of us have struggles. And certain seasons of life are much more difficult than others. And so the church should be a place where you can find some of that healing and hope and uh, work through some of those issues that we have. The word freedom has also been used pretty heavily uh, this year as well. We're fighting for freedom uh, and all of those kind of things. And so uh, that's a really important word. We're going to unpack that a little bit. But when you think of the word freedom, of course, we live in a great country where we have lots of freedoms. You know, our Constitution gives us freedoms. The First Amendment, did you know that the First Amendment gives us five freedoms? Um, Let me just give these to you. I looked it up. The freedom of speech, religion, religion. The freedom of press, the freedom of assembly, and the freedom of the right to petition the government. So those are great freedoms, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. How many of you are Braveheart fans? Watch the movie Braveheart. It's been out for a little Mel Gibson, the blue face paint. Uh, if you haven't watched Braveheart, it, it, it's a little violent because it's, it's about war. Uh, but he, there's a scene in, in uh, Braveheart where uh, the, the people are, are looking to go to battle against an army that's much bigger than they are. And they're scared. And Mel Gibson is uh, on his horse with his face paint and he's trying to rally the troops. And they're saying, we wanna run, we wanna live. Uh, And and this is what he said. He said, they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. And that really resonated with this group of, of men and they rallied together and they went into battle together. That's sort of what I'm talking about. But I'm I'm talking about what Jesus said about freedom. I want to unpack this idea of what Jesus tells us brings freedom in our life. And it's found in John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's in your notes. Uh, We do have notes. If you ever come to a service here, they're available, hard copies. The Grace app also. You can follow along and take notes. And the scriptures are in there as well. And, of course, we put them on the screens for you. But John chapter 8, 31 through 36... Now, Jesus here is talking to the believers. You can see here that it's the Jews who had believed him. So there was a group of, of people who were Jewish, and they've decided to follow Jesus. Like, this is, uh, this is who I'm going to follow. This is, this is my leader. And so Jesus is talking to Christians. And so if you're a Christ follower here today, this, is, this message is really for you. If you're uh, not for sure where you're at in your faith, that's okay. I hope this is a, a message that can inform you a little bit. So, this is what Jesus said. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Now, we've heard that. Most of us have heard that statement. Jesus drops this with these followers, and this is how they answered him. They said, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, and here it is, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So anyone who has sin issues or struggles with sin from time to time is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, if Jesus sets you free, then you will be free indeed. So here Jesus is setting us up. He's letting us know how we can find freedom. It's through truth. It's through him. You know, he acknowledges that we as Christians, we, as Christ followers, we're going to struggle. You know, salvation doesn't complete the process. It just starts your journey. When you make the decision to know God, to have a personal relationship with him, that's a great decision. Best one you'll ever make. But it begins this lifelong journey, uh, this this battle, if you will, um, to become who God created you to be. You see, there's a war going on with each one of us. I don't know if you felt it, but uh, there's this tension, even as a Christ follower, between our worldly self, our our sinful self, the the struggles, and our spiritual self. Because I believe with all of my heart, that we are more spiritual than we are physical. I mean, we can see the physical, right? I'm right here. But you can't see my spirit. That's who I really am. That, that spirit is gonna live forever, either with God or separated from him. And there's this battle, this tension that goes on uh, between ourselves and, and, and this worldly part of us in, in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17, Paul addresses this to the, the Christians in the Galatian church. Listen to what he says. He says, "For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So there's the struggle. You know we want to do what's right. We want to do the, the, the good thing, but we struggle, we fall back, we fall down. And there's this constant tension. So, so why do we have these areas of struggle in our life? Maybe it's just that one thing that just kind of hangs on, keeps coming back up in your life. Maybe it's multiple things. I love Paul uh, because he's so honest. In the, in the book of Romans, chapter seven, verse 15, he just comes, comes right out and says it. He says this, I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. There he's talking about that struggle again. You know, this wanting to do right, wanting to do good, wanting to follow uh, the way of Christ and where he's leading us. But then we struggle and we get off the path and we fall down and uh, and then I have to get back up. And that's that's the war, the battle that's going on with all of us. So I want to invite you guys to go on a spiritual journey Think about between now and next fall, next September, October. Think about what that's going to look like over the next year for you personally. Don't wait till the new year. Do it right now. We want to go on a journey because if we don't go on this spiritual journey where God is taking us, it's very easy to go on a different kind of journey. And a lot of people find themselves on this type of a journey. It's going to come up here on the screen. It's that thing that we struggle with can become part of our identity. You know, the, the anger that just kind of hangs on. Well, that, you know, I'm just an angry person. I, I struggle with that. And, you know, that's just part of who I am. Or your addiction can become just part of who you are. You get used to it, it can become part of your identity. Maybe it's judgmentalism or, or shame or guilt. Those things just become part of, of, of who we think we are. And it can go from there to increasingly hopeless. Like I've tried everything and I can't seem to shake this. And so we become hopeless and then we can become defensive. So if someone kind of confronts us or uh, says, hey, you know, how you doing with it? You know, we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm Okay. And then we can become a slave to it, where it becomes where it's making the decisions for us, it's driving our behavior. We're hiding things. It's starting to creep in more and more and more, and we're a slave to it. And then we can begin to lose our life the life that God created for us. Family and marriage and all those things can be lost because of that kind of a journey. So Jesus said that the truth will set you free. And according to uh, George Barna, he, is a, a, uh, he does a lot of surveys uh, with Christians. And one of the, the uh, questions that he asked about, I think it was around 59% of Christians said they did not believe it. And I'm going to tell you what that is. This is so important for us to understand uh, the truth. And so I wanna give you some truth here this morning. We're gonna look at a bunch of different scriptures to kind of tie it all together. But the first point that I wanna make is that there really are demons. Now, 59% of Christians said, I'm not sure about that. Some of you are sitting there thinking, he's talking about demons, whoa. And others are thinking, it's about time. (laughs) But if you don't believe in something you're not going to fight against it if it's evil. This is what 1 Peter says, be alert and sober of mind. Why should we be alert and sober of mind? That those are strong words. Be alert and sober of mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What do we do? Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. It's all over the world. There's a battle going on, a spiritual war, if you will, that we can't see, but we can sense it. We can feel it. You can see evil, but it's a lot closer than you think. C.S. Lewis said this, Satan hails the skeptic and the superstitious alike. You see, Satan loves it when uh, we don't believe in, in, in any of this stuff. Like, oh, that was back in, in the Bible times, and it really isn't relevant today. We have uh, scientific explanations for everything. That's exactly what he wants us to think. Or the other extreme, where there is a demon under every rock. Like, my car didn't start today, and it was a demon. You know, my dishwasher went out. It was a demon. You know, we blame that. We can be that extreme and we can be this extreme. We want to kind of bring that to the center a little bit and be reasonable and understand that there really is a struggle. There really are demons. The second thing that I want you to understand is that we can be under their influence. Now you're saying, hold up, Chad. You're saying that we can be possessed. No, I'm not saying that we can be possessed. That word possessed uh, we're, we think of it as ownership. When you possess something, you own it. Uh, we cannot be owned. If you're a follower of Jesus, God owns us. We are. We were bought at a price. So that's not the issue here. A better definition of that word is to um, is to be uh, to gain mastery over, or to be under the influence. To gain mastery over, or to be under the influence. You know, demonic forces can have influence in our lives, for sure. Some people call it oppression. But think about it like a thief. How many of you guys have ever had a thief in your house? Maybe you don't want to admit that, but we had a thief in the, in the church, believe it or not. And we had video footage of him just walking around in here and kind of taking this and taking that. He didn't own any of those things, but he was here. He acted like he owned it. It's like a thief. Look look what Jesus says in, in John 10:1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is letting us know here that people can get into our pen by climbing over the gate, or like climbing over the fence and not coming through the gate. And he says that the, the thief, he defines a thief. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus' plan, his, his spiritual journey for us is much different than the enemy. The enemy wants to, uh, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to do that to every one of us. So that's the battle. That's the reality of what's going on. And the more we're aware of it, the more we can fight against it. Now, if you drink a lot of alcohol, we're pretty familiar with what happens. You maybe know of other people or maybe you've experienced that where you're under the influence. Or if you take prescription drugs that you take too much and uh, you're under the influence. Or if you have some sort of an addiction, uh, maybe to pornography or something like that, you're under the influence. You can't stop. That's what I'm talking about. That's not just an addiction. That's not just a struggle. That's that's demonic forces that are reinforcing that in your life. So let's take a look at this. Uh, In Ephesians chapter four, Paul talks again, he's talking to Christians in the Ephesian church. And he says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now that is a really good principle. And hopefully we can put that into action. I can't say that I'm perfect with that. I've gone to bed angry. Uh, But the, the principle behind that is don't let those kinds of things, anger or whatever struggle you're in, go for long periods of time. Why? Well, he tells us here, don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. So what's a foothold? Well, if you've done any climbing... Uh, you know that a foothold is where you put your foot so that you can push yourself up to the next thing you grab a hold of. A definition would be a secure position from which further progress can be made. So when we have these struggles in our life, when we have anger, when we have guilt and shame and all this this baggage and sin and those kinds of things and we let it go, now there's a foothold and he can kind of get his foot in there and now I can hang out here. I can kind of hang out with you for a while, for a long while, until I can get that next one. So you can kind of see what's happening here. He's telling us, don't give those footholds to the devil or to the demons. So the third thing, this is the good news. So so far it's been a downer, right? But but that's the truth. That's the reality is that we are in a spiritual war. There's a battle going on. There really are demons and they do have influence. But they have to flee in Jesus' name. Like like Jesus is way more powerful than any of that. They have to flee in Jesus' name. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. Uh, Here is, is where Jesus... He sent his his disciples out on mission. So there's like 72 of them. He sent them out in pairs and he said, you guys are going to go out and do ministry. I want you to transform this whole area. And so they go out and they're doing incredible things. You know, they're they're, uh, healing people. They're casting out demons. They're sharing the gospel. People are believing in Jesus and following. And now they're coming back to report to Jesus. So that's the scene that we have right here. And this is what he says. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him. You can just kind of see they're, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Now, I love this about Jesus. He is so cool. I can just see him standing there and, and he just says, yes. Like, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> I love that. He goes on to say this. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions, another uh, way of saying demons, and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But then he brings some, some balance to this whole thing. Look what he says here. He says, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Don't get caught up in that whole thing. You know, no, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice that you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and that's what we're trying to spread to other people so that they don't have the same issue of where they're going. But yes, we have authority. Now, I love this, this idea of, of lightning, uh, because there's not a power struggle going on in heaven you know, God's not over here and Satan's not over here and they're kind of duking it out. No, when, when, when he was, when uh, Satan was still in heaven, he was the lead worship person in heaven. But pride came in and uh, that's when, when God, like that, like lightning, said, you're gone. Along with all of your little buddies. Which most, most people believe in angels. This is really interesting to I me. Mean, 90 some percent of people believe in angels. But not very many people believe in demons. Well, they're, they, those are angels that were cast out. And so it's so important for us to get that. So um, there's not a battle going on in heaven. There's, there's one going on here on earth. But it's been settled. So what do we do about this? Now that we know that there's this, this thing going on, and most of us were, had some awareness of that. What do we do about it? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where Paul, again, talking to Christians, he says that uh, for, for we live, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. So we've been given these weapons that have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now here's a new word. He used footholds before. Now he's saying strongholds. So what's a stronghold? A stronghold is an area that you struggle with, that weighs you down. So the demon first gets a foothold, and then it becomes a stronghold. Where now it's not so easy to get rid of. The Greek definition of this word is a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. So deception is the main weapon that Satan uses against us. Lies. That's his greatest weapon against us. A stronghold is living and believing something that's not true. Those addictions, those struggles, those uh, uh, the hurts from our past—all of those things are are based on lies that have been reinforced, and we start to believe it. Look at, at John eight forty four. This is Jesus talking about our enemy. And this is, this is real. This, this, to me, makes it real. He said he is a murderer from the beginning and was against the truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he shows what he's really like because he is a liar and the father of lies. So you get, see the, the theme there. He's saying that, that we have a, a, someone that's against us that is constantly lying to us. Trying to get us to believe things that are not true, or maybe twist things just a little bit. There's just a little bit of truth there, but you twist it so it now becomes wrong or evil or the opposite of. So, what do we do about that? Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Some of the weapons that he gives us, uh, the, the most powerful weapon that we have is your Bible. Is God's word. There is incredible power, and it really is a weapon. The more of that that you get into you, the more of this stuff goes away. Prayer is another weapon that we have. Our faith in Jesus Christ. Our uh, look. Look at the uh, in Ephesians the last chapter and read about the armor of God. Those are our weapons. So it says on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we just read that. Here it says we demolish arguments. That would be the lies. We demolish those arguments against us in every pretension. Now, pretension, that word means an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. Okay? So, so what do we do with that stuff? We demolish it. That sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. That's an important word there. To make it obedient to Christ. So, every thought, that tells me that that he's saying our mind is critical in this spiritual battle. The things that you think about, the things that you believe, drive your thoughts. And when your thoughts get off track, and we all struggle with this, you know, nobody can see your thoughts, and so we live in this thought world. And some of us have uh, like a, a wild, huge imagination, and some of us are pretty simple. I don't know where you stand in that, but we all have thoughts. And, and that battle for your mind is so, so important. Now, you can't change uh, the way you think in one hour at church. That's part of the process. That's part of, of this, this journey that you're on, of finding truth and, and putting that into practice Romans twelve two says this: Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? Lies and deception, and getting your own way, and uh, you know anything you can do what do what makes you happy. All of this stuff that that you know we get bombarded with is the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where it really starts. Then you will be able, if you do that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love that scripture because it's so uh, so clear that when we when we believe truth, when we uh, infuse ourselves with truth, we're transformed, we're changed, we're different. Things fall off. A lot of people are going through life, uh, you know, pulling like all this stuff with them. And this is their life. I'm just, I'm barely making it. I'm hanging on. That's not what God wants for us. That's not his plan. He doesn't want us to drag all that stuff. He, he, he's willing to take all that stuff and he's, he will drag it. He's way more stronger than you. So why do we live that way? What are some of the lies that we believe? There's so many. Lies like I'm rejected or I'm unlovable or I'm shameful. I'm guilty. I'm unprotected. I'm alone or abandoned. I'm worthless or inadequate. We believe things about God that he's distant and disinterested. Or we we believe that God is stern and demanding. Like I've got to live up to a certain standard or he's going to be upset with me. God is impatient or angry. God is trying to take the fun out of life. Those are all lies. And there's so many more. There's thousands and thousands of lies that we've heard from other people, circumstances, things that have happened to us. And so this is so important that we're uh, we're offering a workshop called Freedom in Christ. We're going to offer it here at the Berlin campus on Tuesday, September the 29th, and at Sugar Creek on Saturday, October the 3rd. And what we're going to do in that workshop, Pastor Rocky and I are going to co-teach this together. We want to walk you through seven steps to help you find freedom. I've done this personally many times. I've walked with uh, people individually uh, through this process, and it it is really incredible. And it gives you a tool. We have a workbook that you'll take home that you can use again and again to, to work through some of the areas that you struggle with the most. I ordered a hundred workbooks because I'm hoping that we'll run out. And so I want you to think right now about participating in that. If you're interested, you can write it on the connection card, Freedom in Christ. Uh, and Give us a little bit of an idea of how many are coming, but you can just show up. This is free. We want you to go through this. Now, now, if you just are thinking, oh, stuff like that doesn't work, I don't have time, guess what that is? Right there was some spiritual warfare. That's how subtle it is, that's how quick it is. You see, when when you do something uncomfortable, that's when you grow. But we have this voice that says, oh, no, you don't need to do that. You got this. That's, that's for other people. That's not for me. My marriage is okay. Yeah, we fight sometimes, but it's not that bad. That's spiritual warfare. The other thing that you can do on this journey for this next year is think about what group you want to be a part of. Because doing life alone adds to the the struggle. When you have people in your life where you can have a real conversation, where you can talk openly and freely, you can let your guard down, you can be real, that's where freedom happens. I remember a, a number of years ago, we were in a couples group. And um, we were getting along pretty good. And one night, I don't know what happened, but one of the guys just came right out and admitted that he had marriage problems. And it was kind of funny because we, we were all kind of like, at first we were a little surprised. And then we were relieved. Like, oh, you too. Yeah, we, we struggle too. Like we, we fight and we have arguments and sometimes I sleep on the couch. And you know, there's like real stuff. And it helped our group to become more real. Do you have that in your life? Pray about a group of people that you can be real with. You know, maybe it's taking some spiritual next steps of getting baptized. If you've not taken that step of getting baptized, we encourage you to do that. You know, maybe it's serving, finding an area where you can use your gifts and abilities. Again, get uncomfortable don't just find a comfortable spot like, yeah, that fits my schedule. I'll, I'll work it in. You know, challenge yourself a little bit. Get your, put yourself out there. Get in over your head. That's when we need God. Maybe it's going on a mission trip. I don't know what it is for you, but uh, think about that. Maybe it's fasting and praying for a period of time, maybe it's reading your Bible. Those are things that we can do uh, to take those important next steps. I want to close by giving you three simple truths that we all need to really embrace in this battle. Okay, There's a lot of truths, but these I want you to really get. And so write them down, take them to heart. The first one is this, God loves me and is for me. God loves you and is for you. He's not mad at you. He's thinking about you right now. You know, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be right there. And he'd he'd be looking at it and just smiling, thinking, oh, that Chad guy. Yeah, he's pretty pretty cool. oh, there's so much that I have for him. He's our biggest cheerleader. He's cheering us on. He wants us to be successful He wants us to thrive. He wants us uh, to to have life into the fullest. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to encourage you. He loves to listen to you. When's the last conversation that you had with him? He's never too busy. Listen to this. John 3, 16 and 17. This is the message version of that familiar scripture. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. Telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again, to put you right again. That's how much he loves us. And the more that we grasp that truth, we can can know it here. But when it gets here, when, when, when the love of God really gets here, that's when you're transformed. That's when you're changed.